Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Jonathan Sadler. Um, we got today with us Dan Bunting. How are you doing today, Dan? Doing very well. Thank you. Doing very well. Good, good to see you. Uh, and Scott Smelser is with us as well. How are you, Scott? Doing well. Two thumbs up. Yeah, two thumbs up. Doing good. Great. Uh, and also, Justin Dobbs um, might be joining us later on, but he's not with us right now. So if he comes in, we'll enjoy having him as well. Um, so, Scott, what are we going to be talking about today? So, um, a few weeks ago, we talked about raising boys. And so, today we're going to talk about raising girls, which Dan is in the process of doing right now. Jonathan is not in the process of doing. Uh, Jonathan, like me, grew up in a house with only boys. And come to think of it, all three of us grew up in a house with only brothers, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and Jonathan has a son so far, but not a daughter yet. Uh, Dan has assortment, as have I. But Jonathan's married to a girl, and his <laughs> mom is a girl. Um, it, as much confusion as there seems to be today about <laughs> who's a boy and who's a girl, well, we've got that much figured out. Doesn't need to be all this confusion. And one of the things we'll be talking about is how to help our daughters not be confused. Um, there, there, I'll just say this. Uh, I'm reading a book right now uh, by a Wall Street Journal reporter. It's not from a biblical point of view, but it's from a just practical point of view about the tremendous pressures being brought against girls in particular and encouraging them to think that if they have some insecurity or uncomfortableness, maybe they're supposed to be a boy. And that is a horrible, horrible thing. To teach little girls. Um, we want our boys to grow up to be good, godly men. We want our girls to grow up to be good, godly ladies. And we want the boys to be glad that they're boys and the girls to be glad that they're girls. Uh, but let's begin. Dan, how about we start with you? What are some things that are helpful uh, from a practical basis and, and in your own experience as a father? And also tying in the different important biblical verses. What are some of the things that we need to think about and do when we're raising girls? Well, one thing that's just more on the practical side, and it kind of comes into the discussion of uh, what is gender and gender identity and a lot of those questions, uh, is that so, so much of the time people are talking about gender identity, and what, what people end up talking about are behaviors or activities that tend toward one uh, uh, type of thing or another. Girls like pink and boys like blue. That's kind of a modern social color scheme. Girls like cooking and boys like uh, uh, playing in the woods. That's not always true. There's a lot of crossover and things like that. So I think it's helpful to take a step back and uh, realize that there's a lot of good chefs out there who are guys and a lot of good hunters out there who are, are women. And, and we need to be careful about um, Getting, uh, getting all caught up in the politi politicization of the gender issue. And just talk about um, every child likes different things. And when we start grouping them together, we will often see some trends. That, that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the practical realities. What's really funny though, is that there's often some uh, differences between little boys and little girls that you can't say universal but they're pretty close to being universal. Uh, I know that there was a study done a while ago 
uh, interested in looking at the difference between boys and girls and is there a gender issue and uh, babies in hospitals, infants, just newborns in a hospital. On one side, there'd be a, a lady smiling at them. And then on the other side, there'd be a ceiling fan. And the boys always stared at the moving fan and the girls always looked at the, at the lady's face. There's just, a, just that kind of trend. Um, girls are going to stare at moving fans too. And boys are going to look at faces and smile, but there was that kind of a trend. And I think it's important to realize that there are some innate differences. Scott. Jordan Peterson, I heard him talking about just, just some scientific realities the other day. And he was saying one of the more fundamental study differences between men and women are that men tend to be more interested in things. Women tend to be more interested in people, which mm -hmm. is why even like in Scandinavian countries, men are more likely to be engineers than women. Women are more likely to be nurses than men. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not that there's no overlap, but there's, there's just some strong, strong. Ab absolutely. And that's also going to end up uh, going into the, like you mentioned, the engineer versus nursing. Those are social, I don't want to say that's a social construct, but that comes down the line. Um, and it's not that boys are engineers and girls are nurses, but there's these tendencies that we have in our nature that end up feeding into things that show up in our culture. And to then say all construct is cultural is to kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater, I think. Yeah, so my dad likes to use the illustration of a fork and a spoon. And he says, which one's better? Amen. It depends on what you're doing. If, if you're eating a runny soup, believe me, a spoon is a lot more effective. Mm -hmm. but Eat the fiercer food, you know, a fork is more effective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if you're eating a chicken pot pie, I can, I can get it done with either one. Uh, yeah. so it, it, one. One of the things that was interesting in this book I was reading, it's called Irreversible Damage, is that stereotypes are emphasized that aren't even fair stereotypes. Like mm -hmm. the will tell the children, well, boys are good at math and girls are good at music. Mm -hmm. so maybe if you like music, boys, maybe you're not completely a boy. Maybe you're a girl or, 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 or in between. And, and girls, if you like math, hey, maybe you're a boy. No, there's lots of girls that are good at math. And I mean, just the, the idea that men can't be interested in music. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to some composers. Mm -hmm. Beethoven, Bach, Mozart, you know, the, modern stereotypes and then twisting that to make children doubt that's a horrible thing mm -hmm. yeah and that takes it in the wrong direction there's one one really simple illustration that i've seen in my children i have two boys that are older and then two younger girls and i don't know if you've ever been to the uh the human torture center known as joanne fabrics but even by that <laughs> statement you can tell that i'm a man and there, there, are, there are supplies that I might need to buy at that store and I might need to get something or if I need to pick up something for my wife, that's no problem. But it's not necessarily um, my version of a good time. And I remember with my boys, uh, we had to go pick something up and Heather is looking at this and she's looking at that and that's just the way life goes. And I think all three of us boys, uh, bear in mind, I... I I was an adult at the time. We were all sobbing on the floor. When are we going to leave this place? 
<laughs> and my, my infant daughter, uh, I don't think she could uh, stand. She could probably sit and she was in a cart or being held by Heather. And she was just, she was blown away. She was touching all the fabric. She was staring at all the colors. It was fascinating her at an age before any of the stereotypes, any of the culture could have invaded and, and made an effect. Culture makes a big effect on people. Uh, but, you know, one of my sons loves cutting up pieces of felt and sewing it together and making either uh, weapon things or, or objects for his, for his sisters. He likes making things. And the fact that he's making something out of fabric hasn't turned him into a girl, but rather he is making. But at that very base level, the store was torturous for me and my boys and was absolutely rapturous for my wife and a little girl who was too old to know why it would be. I think that that's a really neat way of, of realizing that we're different kinds of people and we're going to go in different directions. And it's, I needed to see that um, growing up in a family of boys and raising two boys. And now I had this completely different object, this girl that was from a different planet who liked touching things that I wouldn't even notice was there, a piece of fabric, who at the age of two knew how to use a teapot and teacup set when um, I, I, you know, that, that like, well, do we need to teach her how to play with this? And she seemed to know because she'd been watching the people and the behavior. So it's a very different person. Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, to reiterate, we don't need to shame our children if they enjoy something that's not stereotypical for them. Uh, my oldest son uh, is a very masculine guy. He was uh, strong, he was in sports, he exercised a lot, he was uh, uh, talented in lots of ways. But when I went to his room, I remember there was a sewing machine there. I didn't know he sewed. And his roommate mm -hmm. said, yeah, he would, he would repair our clothes for us. He'd be <laughs> up at night fixing our clothes. He, he was frugal and he, he knew how to take care of things. And, you know, I thought that was re really, really cool. Mm -hmm. His main thing in life, but I was, I was proud of him. He learned how to do it. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. But there's, it's real different today. We're going to come back to Dan with some more tips about what we can do to help encourage our girls. But let's jump over to Jonathan. Jonathan, what's a passage or two from scripture that comes to your mind? You're not raising a girl yet, but when you are raising a girl, what would be some passages that are important to you? Yeah, I think just first, just generally, um, and this is also true of boys, true of everyone, uh, and I think we mentioned this in Raising Boys, um, in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and 12, talks about youth and the value of youth, um, and to use your youth wisely, and uh, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1 says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come, and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Um, so, it's important to establish um girls relationship with god and i think this is this is really telling um uh or, or this was really impressive to me that this weekend um i think all three of us were able to to listen to uh larry rouse give a series of lectures and one of the things that he said really stuck with one of the things he said really stuck with me that for your children um the father is the first kind of picture that your children have of what God is like mm -hmm. um, and you know we're imperfect 
and we'll fail. Um, but we do kind of give that impression. And so, so trying to, to use our relationship with our daughters to help teach them what God is like, what God appreciates, what God desires, what God expects. Um, and it's not the things that the world appreciates or desires or expects out of women uh, in a lot of ways. And I think, Dan, you might hit on this a little bit. But when you look in the scriptures of like the women that are really respected and really stand out and are really the ones that like you would want your daughters to kind of emulate, um, the characteristics that they have are things like uh, service, like Tabitha or Dorcas. Um, that's my wife's name, um, Tabitha. Um, and she was a servant. And that was her kind of quality that really stood out that the people around her appreciated. And when she dies, people are mourning for her because they don't have that, that servant hearted woman there to help them and serve them and provide for them in those kinds of ways. Um, they were teachers and dedicated to teaching truth and, and helping youth to build their character and, and change uh, what their priorities were. You think of people uh, like Timothy's grandmother and mother, uh, Lois and Eunice, who taught him the scriptures from an early age. Um, or uh, like what Paul instructs Titus to tell the, the older women to do in Titus chapter two, to instruct the younger women to be self-controlled and, and, and all those kinds of things. Um, but uh, th those qualities, like uh, maybe it would be good for us to all to kind of discuss, like what are the qualities that good women, godly women have that are a priority as opposed to like, whenever you think of like being a woman in the world, um, what is emphasized and, and what shouldn't be emphasized. Um, but those are some of the things that I think of. I don't know if you guys have other things to kind of add to that. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good topic. Well, I guess what jumps out at me is if, if you use the Bible, um, pulling out specific instructions to women, uh, there, there are a number there aren't necessarily very many instructions that that differentiate. This is a command for a man, and this is a command for a woman. That's 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 often pretty rare. What the Bible does, though, for for men and women, is that it gives us pictures and examples. It gives us heroes, heroines, um, and it gives us the, the anti-heroes as well, and and the, the the terrible examples. And it gives us these these people that we can. Um, as a man or a woman, I can learn from, but then there are some, some examples of men that, that the men are going to gravitate to, and there are some examples of women that the women are going to gravitate to uh, and, and learn so much from. I think that everyone is just, uh, we're always excited by uh, the story of Ruth, uh, not just that it's a story of loyalty, um, loyalty like what David is David her great grandson? I can't remember. Um, Something like that. Great, great or great, great, great or great, great. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember. Uh, you know, King David, uh, David the Shepherd. What a what a man of loyalty. Uh, and yet his great grandmother or great great grandmother Ruth is great. also that way. Um, that isn't necessarily a masculine or feminine trait. But we have this loyalty in a person who is also very feminine, very uh, much fulfilling the roles that we often, that, that culture, all cultures and all societies see in women, taking care of other individuals, um, following after to serve. Um, uh, uh, you have to kind of go through the whole story. 
uh, to, to start pulling all that out. But she is absolutely a woman who is beautiful and feminine in those characteristics, but she also rises to the top as one of the great heroes of the Bible. And so there are ways that we can look at Ruth and other women of the Bible to see what, what are the characteristics that God praises in a woman. Jonathan mentioned some differences between how a godly woman needs to view herself and how a worldly woman needs to view herself. I think how many, and you can see this in social media a lot, the, uh, the, the obsession with selfies, the obsession with selfies in kind of provocative position or some provocative clothing, and then the desperate, desperate search for how many likes she got or how many people telling her she's beautiful. And if she, you know, she might've taken half a dozen shots and then use all kind of filters to, you know, get things just right or adjust her clothes this way or that way to be more exposing. And then if she posts a picture and it doesn't get a lot of likes, then there's, you know, the obsession to need to somehow get more, more attention. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that we need to do, and this goes back to Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's the last verse? And then toward the end of the chapter, around verse 26, 28, such a God, he's created man, male and female, he created them, and they were to multiply and replace the earth. He grew them. Now, so he's made man, and he's made woman, and he's made the sexual relationship, and he's given them the instructions appropriate. What's the last verse of Genesis 1? God saw everything he made and it was very good. Very good. We don't need to give our girls the idea that the sexual relationship is evil or bad. Mm -hmm. Is good. But where is it to be? Genesis 2, 24. For this cause between the husband and wife man and woman a man shall leave his father leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, one flesh. uh and we've used the illustration before if you haven't heard it i'll share it. it's not original with me but i think it makes a good point uh, a fireplace in the winter is a beautiful thing it's kind of exciting, it's warm, it makes us comfortable, we can't stop looking at it, we're, we're just enjoying it, and it's secure and comforting and brings joy and warmth. So does the physical relationship between the man and the woman. But like the fire in the fireplace, it needs to stay where it's supposed to be. You drag those burning logs out onto the carpet and up against the sofa or the drapes, and in a very short amount of time, there's still some heat, but the beauty and comfort has gone away and it's become mm -hmm. destructive. Mm -hmm. And so we live in a society where women are expected to expose themselves constantly for public attention. Mm -hmm. And years ago, there was a newspaper article where a fellow had run, he wrote different columns for the Chicago Tribune. And he'd written an article about um, provocative t-shirts. 
t-shirts that had pictures of sayings on them that were suggestive and very tight fitting, you know, to emphasize woman's body, you know, the exposed leg. And when he published that article, a woman wrote in and he published her letter. And she was like in her late twenties and she was considered very attractive. She said she had a very nice figure, but she said, I will not wear those shirts because I'm in love with my husband and my body is for him to enjoy. Not every guy walking up and down the street. Mm-hmm. Well, the columnist, so that was a pretty interesting letter, so he published it. Then one of his friends, who was kind of a playboy, you know, one night stand type guy, read it and became infatuated. And he contacted the journalist and said, that's the woman I want. He said, now I know she wouldn't want me, but I want that. And the journalist said, he's the type of guy that would wake up and not remember the name of the woman he was with. So they weren't important to him, but what's the flip side of throwaway hooked up relationships where the woman is not really important? The flip side is you have nothing important. Yeah, you're not important to them either. So he wasn't to the idea that a woman would be devoted to him, not available to every other man, but actually love him. He found that really exciting. And he said the lifestyle he was living had been exciting at first, but the excitement had worn off. And I thought, how typical of sin. Mm-hmm. Satan wants to offer, it's like when you're fishing, you put a big juicy worm on there because you want that bass to just look at that and ignore the hook. Um, but with God's ways, it's better. And so here was a man who'd been living the devil's way and found it very unsatisfying. And in the end, what did he realize would be really romantic and exciting and fulfilling? God's will. Yeah, yeah. And, and really to put together two, two, two ideas, one that each of you has said, Jonathan, you mentioned the, the idea that you heard over the weekend about how a child's first view of God is going to be looking at their father, for better or for worse, right? And so you want to not be God, uh, you know, that's going to give you a complex that's going to make the relationship terrible, but be mindful of the influence that you have on your child, and you need to be loving like God is loving, and you need to be merciful like God is merciful, and you need need to uphold the law like God upholds the law with justice. Uh, And adding that idea to the way that our culture, um, uh, our society and culture has always promoted um, women uh, by by promoting their their beauty and their looks. That's that's that is a trend that Satan gets all of us going going down uh, down that road. Uh, any country in the world behaves that way. I think that with the amplification of sharing on the internet and with social media, it has been much easier to do that. Uh, anybody can promote themselves. Um, anybody who has access to the internet can can get ha- can have a voice, and their voice is their body. And younger and younger women, and now really it's younger and younger girls can can be engaged in that. And so, what we have as fathers is this understanding that we need to be um, a godly voice uh, uh, for our daughters uh, in the face of that clamor and that desire to be a part of a part of the culture. And something that I think 
that God does is, is he lifts us up and he raises us and compliments us when, when we are doing right. Uh, Abraham believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. There, there is this recognition from God of, of good in Abraham. Same thing with, with Abel. Abel offers uh, a sacrifice to God that was uh, right and beautiful and God had regard for that sacrifice. We, we need to give that to our daughters as well. We need to give to all of our children. But uh, while we need to promote all of our children and say, you've done a good job at school, or you've done a good job uh, working on a project, or I can see that you're very careful for the your younger brothers and sisters, or you're mindful of the older uh, uh, couples at church, or I can see how you're taught. We can find all of these different ways that we can complement and encourage good behavior in our children. But one very specific one that, that, that maybe... I don't know, maybe it was needed a lot in the past, but I feel is very important today. If girls are being pushed to show themselves off and get that recognition out there and to get the likes out on the internet, I need to make sure that my daughter um, knows that she is a good, wholesome, productive member of society and that her father thinks that she's pretty and that she's a, a liked person and that there is beauty both in behavior and in, and in looks. There's a number of times in the Bible. In Psalm 45, when it's talking about this great king and how this, uh, I think it's the daughter of Tyre, she's coming to be wed to this king, and she's described as beautiful, and she has this train of people coming with her, and the king is going to literally desire her beauty. In Ephesians chapter 5, when it's talking about husbands loving their wives, you would never do anything to hurt yourself, but you're going to um, uh, help the wife to not have any spot or blemish or wrinkle or anything like that. And we see the spiritual idea there, but if there's also the reality that sentence makes sense because the husband wants his wife to be beautiful and want beautiful. He's going to promote his wife and her beauty. He's going to speak to her and say that you are beautiful. And girls need to know that they can be beautiful long before they start publishing on the, uh, on the whole on, on the world and, and showing themselves off. I think that that is a way of, of preparing them uh, to have, ugh, I, I, hate, I hate talking about self-worth and self-esteem when people have conflated and inflated that out in society. But I want my daughter to feel good about herself before she feels compelled to use the internet to do that. And, and one, uh, go ahead, Scott, and then I'll give a, an example. This is really important. We need to both compliment our children and correct our children. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If we're doing nothing but complimenting them, you know, and, and we can make dangerous compliments. Oh, you did such a better job on your memory verse than all the other boys in class. <laughs> oh, you were so much prettier than all the other girls. Oh, I think you're the best song leader. Or, oh, your voice is so much prettier than those other girls' voices. No, that, that can really create arrogance and i've seen that create arrogance and by foolish parents uh that do things mm -hmm. over not being critical enough of their children and over praising and over celebrating them but the flip side is so also there are parents who have thought that if you compliment your children let's so become prideful and so they don't mm -hmm. man that's a mistake so you look at the you look at Paul's letters to the Thessalonians or the Corinthians. Uh, is there any praise? Yeah. yeah. Is there any criticism? Yeah. yeah. 
you look at the letters to the seven churches, is there some praise? Yeah, is there some criticism? In most of the letters, there's both. And what's always first? The praise. Here's what you're doing right. And then, if need be, here's where you need some improvement. Both of those, it will help our children to be secure when they receive good support from, from mom and dad. Mm-hmm. will help them to not be arrogant and to grow when they also are reminded to be to be humble and to serve and realize you know you're not all that in the bag of chips you know none of us are uh and then other people have great flaws too and so both of those together years ago uh marty pickup was doing a lecture and he pointed out something i had not realized but he was talking about how distant fathers, and that can include critical, overly critical fathers as well. Distant fathers are a major factor both in male homosexuality and female heterosexual promiscuity. And I had not realized that, but he started explaining it and it made sense. Um, so real briefly, uh, I know one young man maybe dead by now his mother doesn't know he's not been in touch with her for decades uh, but when he was a baby the father rejected presented him and rejected well he grew up desperate for the attention of a man a boy that grows up desperate for the attention of a man is like fodder for sometimes for a pedophile and so he would misbehave at reform school so that the security officials would restrain him. He came home and he said to his mom, Mom, you know why I'm bad at school? And he said, I do it so that those men will hold. It's uh, so sad. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, he ended up in a very, very unhealthy, dangerous homosexual lifestyle. Very, became the victim of many, many things. But the flip side also was with girls. And you can stop and think about it. And I've, I've heard uh, people describe, uh, celebrity people describe in their lives, like how they would like to take advantage of, you know, talk about their back history, broken girls, you know, damaged girls, because it was easy to take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, heard, you've heard about, you know, girls with daddy issues. The girl who is not accepted, not approved of, not loved by dad, mm-hmm. has a yearning there that wishes that dad would approve her and, and, and support her and make her feel secure. Since he won't, then pretty early on, she starts learning that if she behaves in certain ways, older men will look at her approvingly and give her attention. And so you can see how quickly that devolves into being taken advantage of in a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's a super important subject. And there's an example that, that I think is interesting. I have to kind of stretch it to, to make it work well, but we, we, we have an example in the Bible in the story of uh, Jacob and Laban and, and Leah uh, when they get married in Genesis 29 and how Jacob was really interested in marrying Rachel, and 
uh, his father-in-law, what, you know, what becomes his father-in-law, Laban, he secretly marries Jacob to the older sister, Leah, uh, marries her off for whatever reason. Uh, he says it's customary to marry the, the older daughter off before the, the, the younger daughter. And so Jacob gets the wrong girl. I don't, I can't imagine, I, I don't know what the home life was in Laban's household. But if that's the situation and we see uh, when they're leaving later on, the, the complications that Rachel has with her own father and hiding, the, the, taking idols and different things, it seems like that there was a bit of a mess going on. But whatever it is, this, this girl is married to a man who, who wasn't interested in her because of her father, because her father married her off. And so that's just, that's an awkward situation. Lee is put in a bad uh, uh, place as she begins to have children, you can see just how she feels in her life. Uh, in, in chapter 29 of Genesis, she names uh, her first son Reuben, for she said, because the Lord has looked upon me in my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She names her children names that reflect her desire for love and for affection from her husband. It, it, I'm thinking in life in general. And finally, in verse 35, at the end of the chapter, she conceived and bore, again bore a son. This is the fourth son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. So this is a, a lady who for three children is desperate for attention and love. And she's having children and hoping that those are going to be the things that she will get what she needs emotionally and, and to feel safe in her family. And uh, I have to I have to make a stretch to say that's all the dad's fault. Um, I, I, I don't really, I want to be very careful that that's not what I'm trying to say. But it does illustrate here is a girl that was put into a situation that wasn't in her own doing. And she's struggling against it. And she's feeling hurt. And she's naming her children after her own feelings of hurt and problems and pain. And with her fourth child, she names Judah. She's she changes and has a direction toward God, right? And that's what we need to have, all of us need to have. We all have pain, we all have a mess up, and we might uh, be able to point to something that our fathers did, or maybe not. But we all need to get our hearts directed towards God. And so whatever I can do as a father for my children and for my daughters to not have uh, these insatiable desires or frustrations with their environment, whether it's people or the physical surroundings, that they aren't, they aren't using the way, uh, the objects of the world to get their attention, to get their love, to get their feelings sated the way that the world does. We need to set up our girls uh, for success, that they will find uh, godly relationships or just relationships with God in such a way that they will feel secure and not need what the world offers girls today. So, yeah, what you guys are saying, um, I, I think it comes down to to that balance because um, so you got things like First Peter chapter three, um, which talks about the adorning uh, of a woman. He says, "Do not let the, your adorning be external, braiding of hair, putting on gold." Uh, those sorts of things, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with which it, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And I think, Scott, you also mentioned before in Proverbs 31 that um, uh, beauty is, is vain and, and fleeting, um, 
uh, that sort of thing. So, so helping to teach girls that their physical appearance is not the most important thing. Um, just like teaching guys being the, the toughest um, and, you know, most athletic or whatever is not the most important thing. Always winning is not the most important thing. Um, it, it, we need to train and help to teach children that prioritizing God and being pleasing to God is the most important thing. And a lot of other things will kind of fall into place um, in, in that point. Um, but it's just that constant reinforcement. And I think like what you're pointing out, Dan, you know, girls are beautiful. God made them in that way. And so acknowledge that, appreciate that in your children, but teach them the proper context of why that is and, and, and how to be beautiful for God and beautiful um, for their spouses and, and things like that. Um, but just having that balance and understanding um, that just because the world says this is an important thing for you to have or to be or something that defines you, um, that doesn't make it so. God God has his standards and things that are important to him, and so we need to prioritize those. Mm -hmm. I'd like to offer some practical tips here for run out of time on when girls get to be dating age and even before then. Uh, like one of my little granddaughters. Um, when she was maybe four, you know, I was talking to her and I said, I said, someday, you know, she's already invited me to her wedding. She said, I, I can be one of the groomsmen at her wedding or something. And I said, I said, you're gonna, you're gonna meet a really, really special guy. And he's gonna be a lucky guy. And he's gonna be a really special guy. You're not gonna pick a bad guy. You're gonna pick a really special guy. And she remembered that, and she was telling her mom later, you know, you know her granddaddy told her she hadn't met him yet, but there was a really special guy, you know, she was going to And the idea of waiting, you don't want to just buy into the norm of culture. This business of 13-year-old girls thinking that they have to have a boyfriend, you know, to be secure and feel good about themselves, 13 year old girl does not need a 13 year old boy boyfriend or a 14 or a 15 year old boy, you know, friend. Um, let them be happy in who they are and secure. Let them be looking forward to someday getting married, but without the pressures of thinking you have to have, you know, this or that relationship at young ages. You have to be on the social media at young ages. You have to be doing this or that. And this business of, you know, a lot of, what's some father's attitude toward boys? It's like, you know, when the boy comes over and takes a girl out, he's going to be sitting there cleaning his gun. You know, there's a country song about that. You know, I'll just be sitting here cleaning my guns. That reminds me of the fathers that say, I told him you're not going to do that under my roof. It's a really, really short-sighted, empty thing. If you haven't done anything more than try to scare a boy, you don't know that you take your daughter out by, because you've got a gun, you completely missed it. You need to train that girl not to be interested or looking for the wrong kind of guy. Yeah. Or why are you letting some guy you don't know take your 14 year old or 15 or 16 year old daughter off somewhere during the night and you don't even know it mm -hmm. you know teach her to be looking for a good guy 
And get to know that guy. If he wants to spend some time around the daughter, let him start spending some time around the family. Yeah. You know, and, and get to know him instead of just, you know, letting your, not knowing what kind of boy your daughter's gonna say yes to and letting some strange boy pull up in the car and drive away and hoping that your gun collection will cause good behavior. Boy, that's really messy. Oh, about the one other thing. Talk to the boy about pornography. I think one thing is a good idea. If a young man asks, can I date your daughter? Uh, ask to see his phone. It's like, that's a very personal question to ask to date my daughter. So I'm going to ask you a personal question. Let me see your phone and your history, your computer. And if he's offended, he says, no, that's private. That's not in your business. Okay. Then my daughter is none of your business. <laughs> you know, because that's... And, uh, but if he's a good fellow, and he says, sure. And he shows you his phone, and it's clean. There's something special about that guy. Um, do you guys have anything else you'd like to say before we start wrapping? No, I'm all set. Let help your daughters, whether it's boys or girls, teach them to deny self, take up the cross daily, and follow Jesus. Teach them to love God with all their hearts and mind, love their neighbors as yourself. Beyond that, let them know that the physical relationship is a good thing. And by the way, let your kids see their parents being affectionate. Don't have them following you into the bedroom, but let them see the parents being affectionate. Kids will act like, ew, ew, if they see mom give dad a kiss or dad, but actually they like seeing that, that their parents are happy to be with each other. Mm -hmm. And let, let your girls be glad they're girls. And if they're also good at sports, that's cool. And if the boys are also a good cook, one of my boys loves to cook. I, I think that's great. But let the girls be girls and be glad they're girls. And they don't have to be limited to all of the girls' stereotype things. Let them be the girl they are. And let the boys be, they don't have to be exactly like every other boy, but let them be glad they're boys and teach the girls to appreciate that they're girls, but to also, you know, appreciate that there's guys and let the guys learn to respect the girls, not just to like the way they look, but to, we need to honor them and help that be honored. And last thing, don't fall into like the girl, oh, what are you gonna be? Are you gonna be an astronaut or a surgeon? Well, maybe she will. But one of the best things a girl can be is what did Paul say for the, he urged younger widows to do. Now, he also urged to the Corinthians in a situation being described there, there were advantages of celibacy. Nothing wrong with that. Paul found it a better thing. But he also mentioned for younger widows, it is good for them to marry and bear children. Yeah. And what better thing can a woman do than to 
Titus chapter 2, love her husband, be a worker at home and love her husband and love her mm-hmm. children. We live in a culture that dishonors that. Man, that's something that ought to be honored. You can get a lot of important jobs out in the corporate world, but how many of them are as important as bringing human beings to life and guiding and training them as humans? All right, cool. Well, thank you guys uh, for your discussion. Thank you to our audience for tuning in with us today. Uh, And if you have any other questions or comments about uh, raising girls, raising children, uh, or anything else that you'd like us to discuss, uh, any Bible questions or current events or things you'd like to talk about, you can submit those to us at BibleQuest.tv, and we'll be happy to talk about the things that you want to talk about. Again, that's why we do the show. We want to answer things that are important to you all uh, and help to use the scriptures to help guide us all to be more like Jesus, more like God, um, and develop our relationship with him. So if we can be helpful in that way, please let us know. Uh, but that's all that we have for this week. And so we will plan on seeing everyone next week. Lord willing.